When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Seven one seventy two. Those are the nothing personal numbers of the day. It is Monday, November twentieth, two thousand and twenty three. Seven one seventy two. Seven years. $172 million. That is the contract that will be announced at a press conference today with Philadelphia Phillies postseason hero, Aaron Nola. There'll be a desk and a table. You're going to see Dave Dombrowski for sure. You'll see John Middleton guaranteed, Aaron Nola. Everyone will be very happy because the Phillies will have gotten better since their season ending loss last year. Like the Yankees got better when they signed Aaron Judge when he was a free agent. Now I'm not gonna be cynical on a Monday morning and tell you that the Philadelphia Phillies should not have signed Aaron Nola to a contract. I am gonna wonder whether or not anybody's paying attention when the commissioner's office gives you hard numbers telling you that pitchers will not be good after age 35. And if they are, it is rare. It is not worth betting on. The news of the day is Aaron Nola took less money to go to Philadelphia, just like Bryce Harper did, because they love the culture. They love how it feels. They love the city. They love the cheesesteak. They love the vibe. They love the fans. They love the front office. They love the owner. They love the manager. It's like they're in baseball heaven in Philadelphia. Now, I agree that part of the definition of heaven, in theory, as I picture it, is getting everything you want, whenever you want it, however you want it. That sounds like heaven to me. I'm in. You had me at hello. Negotiating with Dave Dombrowski has been heaven for players for a very long time. He, one of his best qualities, always has been, ask any other team out there. And he's one of the very few, he's a Hall of Famer, won World Series with the Marlins, Red Sox got the Tigers to the World Series. What he's most known for is S-O-P-M. Spending other people's money. Fantastic at it. Find me an old desperate owner who wants to win really badly, needs to win before they croak. I'm your guy. It doesn't take scouting or development to give Aaron Nola seven years, $172 million. Not only does it not make your team better, it actually makes your team worse. Because if you have enough players, you are 
buying at the high, you better get a lot of really good young players performing at the low end of the salary scale, or even the definition of stupid money will defy reason. While Aaron Nola has been a Philly his entire career and had stretches of dominance, what matters most to owners and what blinds them is postseason dominance. And yes, last season, Wheeler and Nola at the top of the rotation brought the Phillies the pennant. This season, with Nola and Wheeler at the top, it brought the Phillies an inch away from the pennant. The amazing thing about all of it is that no matter how many times people are told, owners specifically, the way things are going to be, and no matter how many times an owner experiences it for himself with a contract that he has to pay to get rid of or waive, owners have the strangest mentality. It's almost... It it actually doesn't exist in any other business. And the way I think about it is that anytime I got it, I can't believe it just happened live on Nothing Personal with David Sampson YouTube channel on a Monday morning, no less. I figured it out. When owners are running their other businesses, they expect to win and they expect to profit. And when they don't win and they don't profit, They do something different in order to win and profit again. And then you build your money from a zero to a six figure to seven to eight to nine, et cetera, et cetera. But then you buy a baseball team. And then when you're winning, you feel badly. In your regular life, when you're winning, it's expected. You don't throw parades for yourself when you beat quarterly estimates. You don't throw a parade for yourself when you get the better of a deal or your ROI is above expectations. You say, that's how I roll, and you keep going. For whatever reason, when you buy a baseball team or any professional sports team, and you get any player to outperform, you get this sense of, oh, I owe you something now. And when you get a player to outperform in a national scenario, like the playoffs, it makes the owner forget everything else. In regular business, when you've got an outlier, When you've got something away from the standard deviation, you look at it and you say, hmm, have I drawn the bell curve wrong? Or is this exactly what it looks like when something is happening outside of the norm? And when something's happening outside of the norm, there's only one surer thing than Nicolette. And that is, things are going to go back to the norm. And the smartest people are the ones who know when you move the bell curve, and when you don't. Because if you move it when you weren't supposed to, then what you thought was the norm never happens again. If you don't move it when you're not supposed to, you don't react to things that are happening outside the norm. I'm very happy that Aaron Nola has pitched the number of innings he's pitched, though that is generally a leading indicator to problems going forward. 
I am very happy that he is so good on their postseason teams. That is absolutely not linked to regular season performance. But I cannot figure out for the life of me why you go seven years to a pitcher. And then I realize that Rob Manfred has a problem that he tried to fix and tries to fix during owners' meetings with presentations and factual statements, if assertions, and in fact, their statements about long-term deals and what your rate of, of return will be in those long-term deals. And what the owners have said back, not through their words, but through their actions, was last year, this year, year before, still happening, long deals spread out the money. Aaron Nola today, today in the free agent market, in a one-year arbitration or a one-year free agent market, what do you think? $25 million? Is that the guess? 26 Up to 30 You get paid for special accomplishments making the postseason. You get paid for performance in the postseason. You get paid for bulk, for durability. What the player wants is long-term. What the team wants is short-term performance at lower-term rates. The money later, we won't worry about it. It used to be that low-revenue teams, like the Marlins, would sign players, hey, we'll pay you $5 million this year and then $30 million next year. You're worth $14 million, but we're going to make you worth $17 million by having you take only $5 million now and $30 million tomorrow. And players would say, great, I'm happy to be valued at more than I'm worth. And the team would say, great, in order to build a team, we need to have higher payroll or higher sort of perceived payroll without lower cash flow. So let's move contracts into the future. Some teams used to do it with deferrals. We didn't really do deferrals because you have to fund those deferrals. You do it with back-end contracts and you say to yourself, we'll worry about tomorrow, tomorrow. Terrible way to run a team. I admit it, absolutely wrong because tomorrow comes so quickly, as I know now. Aaron Nola said, I'm happy to take under my market as long as you give me more years, which is more notional dollars, and then we're good. And John Middleton says, that's better because in terms of my tax bill, I want you as low a number of, as possible. Everything is perfect in that negotiation. And then they got to the opt-out. The Phillies said to Aaron Nola, we're committing to you for seven years and all we want is your love of Philly. Commit to us the way we're committing to you. We know that you love us and we love you. How about no opt-outs? And that's when the phone rang. Scott Boris was on the phone and he was calling John Middleton on behalf of Bryce Harper, who's in the middle of that long-term deal with Philadelphia that he signed maybe four years ago. He now, through his agent, Scott Boris, wants to renegotiate his contract. I'm trying at doctor's orders. It's been a long weekend. I'm trying to keep heart rate around 47 right now. 
I get some adrenaline during the show, generally do the show in the 50s, low 60s, unless I'm talking about Boris. And sometimes I get to the 70s. But today I'm staying in the 50s. I promise you. Because it's funny. Bryce Harper, when he signed his free agent deal, said, I don't want any opt-outs. That's how much I love Philly. And that's how committed I am to this city, this organization. And that's before he had played a game. Four years later, he said, well, I don't have any opt-outs. This is what he said to his agent or his agent probably said to him. I mean, Scott, he's looking for more commissions. I get it. I mean, you got to fund the backdrop. Can you imagine how that call goes? Hey, John, it's Scott. Remember after the Phillies were in the World Series and Harper hit the home run to get to the World Series? It was just a year ago. And you said, man, I'll tell you, I'm underpaying you for what you've done already. You've made it all worthwhile already. And we said a nothing personal in the top 10 things of things not to say to your player. That is in the top three. Hey, man, we're underpaying you. Our bad. You're good. Now, Scott Boris is saying to John Middleton, given the fact that you're underpaying Bryce Harper, we would like a raise. And the Phillies, according to reports, are considering changing Bryce Harper's contract. <laughs> How is that possible? I am still waiting for the first agent to call me and my phone, they all have my number, every one of them. I want a refund for all the players who sucked who I signed. Where are those calls? Hey, we're sorry, we, we told you that Salty would be great, our bad. Take a few million dollars back, he feels badly. Hey man, I told you, I thought Al would be great, couldn't get through the year, no problem. Take a couple million back. Where's that? A player signs a deal and we're supposed to feel sorry for him when he outperforms the deal for a couple of years and wants to reopen a deal that has no openers. If the Philadelphia Phillies choose to give Bryce Harper either an extension or to rip up the current deal and re-sign him to more money, they will get everything they deserve, and that is lack of production from an injured Bryce Harper. That is how it's going to work. You cannot, as an owner of a team, ever allow a player to have it both ways. And this is not me being anti-player. This is me being pro-realistic. I'm anti one-sided, I'll tell you that. Either way, I'm anti something that's too one-sided my direction. I'm anti one-sided anything that is not my direction. Two sides, I'm happy for relative pain both ways, relative pleasure, walking away from a deal where both people are relatively okay, but partially unhappy, I'm in. Giving a player an opt-out is already giving them all the power. The opt-out, as you know, is always the sword. It's never the shield. It's never, oh, I just want to make sure you're going to do what you say you're going to do. No, no. It's if I'm better than 
I thought I was going to be, or the markets moved, then boom, I'm going to opt out and get more money. When you don't get an opt out in a contract, your contract is your contract for richer, for poorer. It's even different than a marriage contracts. It's a marriage contract. Those can't be broken. Yes, they can. But a sports contract is slightly different. There are rules when you break it, sort of like rules in a divorce when you break a marriage contract. And the rules say, in baseball, pay the man his money. But it doesn't go the other way. That's the beauty of the players union. That's the strength of the players union. So the scenario that I feel unfolding is that Bryce Harper is going to publicly state through his agent, Scott Boris, that Bryce Harper has over-delivered on his contract so far. Therefore, there should be an adjustment because who planned on him being the 25th highest paid player? Who knew that salaries were going to go so high? Really? Raise your hand if you're sure. Tell me the last time an agent negotiated with the player where they did not expect the market and salaries to increase in any sport. Other than COVID, where you tie salary cap to revenue and there's no salary cap in baseball, has there been a time where payroll or salary goes down if you're great, where the top of the market, go back and look at the first player to make a million, then 5 million, then 10, then 15, then 20, then 25, 30, 35, 40, 43. You think we'll beat 43 this year? You bet your bippy we will. So Bryce Harper is complaining that he's now the 25th highest paid player. Is that the equivalent of players who played in the 90s or Magic Johnson or Larry Bird or any of these other players saying, my God, there's players who make more in a year than I made in my career and they all suck. Life is timing. No one told Bryce Harper to sign a 10, 12, 13 year deal. But he did. And now he should live with that. And it's not as though he's not being paid tens of millions of dollars every single year. And I'm not begrudging a player who wants to make more money. I love it. Then don't sign the long-term deal. Don't you protect your downside and then get to capture all your upside. Maybe that's language that owners will understand. You are letting employees fully protect downside, fully with zero impact to capturing upside. Where would you ever do that in your other lives? Where? You know the answer, because you never would do that. The definition of money management, the definition of business, risk reward. You wanna partially cover your downside, that means it's gonna impact your upside. They're married concepts, practically binary. And what you're doing to players now is you are removing the causality of that. It's insane. So Aaron Nola is going to sign a seven-year, $172 million contract, no opt-outs, and the agent's telling him, don't worry. Win the Cy Young two out of the first four years, boom, we're going to get you a new contract. We're going to get you paid even more. The market will move. No problem. Middleton will do it. That's the reputation that the owner of the Phillies is going to get. Opt-outs, opt-outs. We don't need any freaking opt-outs. And the irony is that they, up uh, 67. All right, take a breath. The irony 
is that players believe that when they're not getting opt-outs, that they are getting another advantage. So teams in return for not having to give something that they never should have given, guilty of having given it once, they are overpaying not to have to give what players now all expect, which is the opt-out. This is not good. Wait to see is when I tell you something's going to happen. If it does, great. If it doesn't, fine. A couple of days ago, I had to wait to see that Blake Snell would not get five years. I'm taking the loss on that. I've never done this in the history of nothing personal. Blake Snell is still a free agent, but I am booking it right now with Coca that Blake Snell will get over five years. That was my mistake. I totally forgot about rationality. I totally forgot that owners are going to spread out the deals and that Blake Snell will take less money per year in order to get more years, which still means he'll get more money than he would have gotten if he got the regular amount of money that he's worth for the number of years that he's good. But let's not quibble. So my reverse wait to see, taking a loss and now putting a new one in, is that given this NOLA deal, Blake Snell will get over five years. Wait to see. Sorry about that. I hate losing wait to sees. I don't mind revisiting them, but now we have a new one. One of the wait to sees that I did not have. Oh, I think I did. Was it a wait to see that the Bengals are going to win the Super Bowl? Didn't I have that? Well, Friday it was announced. Remember all the issues when we lost the Thursday night? Nothing personal pick of the day. That's our last loss, by the way. When we had the Bengals covering against the Ravens and Burrow only played a half or a quarter or three quarters. I can't remember. It seems like three days ago. Well, guess what? Friday, after we recorded, broke breaking news that Joe Burrow is out for the year. I want to talk about something related to that, that I know you may have seen on social media or wherever you get your news. There are people who bet the Bengals, including all of us here on Nothing Personal, and were upset. Upset that Joe Burrow was not on the injury report, upset that the Bengals did not disclose Joe Burrow's injury. There are people who wager based on information on the injury report. There are lines that are made based on what's on the injury report. How upset is the NFL that Joe Burrow is out for the season? Moderate. That's it. There's plenty of quarterbacks, plenty of storylines. NFL is a behemoth, injuries or injuries, no problem. Are they upset that Burrow is out, that Deshaun Watson's out, obviously not, Kirk Cousins is out, Daniel Jones is out, Anthony Richardson is out, Aaron Rodgers is out. Are they thinking to themselves, God, that's six out of 32 quarterbacks. That's coming on 20% out for the year. We're looking at backups. It's like going to Broadway and seeing understudies every day and not caring who's playing Hamilton tonight. Doesn't matter. It's going to be the greatest two-point seven hours you've had in your life. So Roger Goodell looks at the injuries and says, whatever, as long as it's not their head, it's wrist, shoulder, Achilles, I'm good. I don't love Achilles. I got to think about turf, but as long as there's no one like Tua from last year out with a concussion, I'm going to be able to say postseason what progress we made, where significant injuries are down and all the other crap that he can spew at the end of a season to spin how great things are, how safe things are when grown men who are very big and very fast go at each other full speed. 
That's not what Goodell is focused on. What he's focused on is, uh-oh, how did this impact gambling? Where Roger Goodell, along with the other commissioners, used to spend their days separating themselves and spending their days trying to catch owners who were making money owning casinos elsewhere or catch players who were betting on their sports through an illegal bookie on the corner where they get a dime bag and then a few lines. I mean, betting lines, mostly. Now, of course, it's all different. It's all regulated. It's all out in the open. You've got DraftKings. You've got FanDuel with over 70% of the market. You've got ESPN Bet, which just launched, and they are trying to, in their mind, successfully grab 20% of the market at some point in the future. Good luck to them. All of those things are part of the new map of sports, the new economy of sports. It is very bad for business, not the football business, not the ratings business, not the sponsorship business. It's very bad for the gambling business. And right now, the gambling business has become the largest profit center for every single sport. I'm blue in the face. That's how many times we've spoken about the issues that leagues are having with gambling, why they're having all of these players suspended and how unavoidable it is, the way they're trying to catch players, the way they're trying to maintain the integrity of the product on the field. That is why baseball said announcements of lineups and starting pitchers will be done through us now. Major League Baseball releases lineups now, not teams. That's why in football, it's such a big deal, and they take it so seriously when you screw around with the injury report. Now, in baseball, Billy Epler claimed to be fired because they screwed around with the injury list. Give me a break. We all do that. All, all of us. But I've told you that. That's in a previous episode. But if you have a player play who's injured and you don't tell anyone they're injured, that impacts the integrity of the gaming community. And that's what happened Thursday night. So what the NFL had to do is hire Samson and Coca to investigate. Because the NFL said, as every league says, practically every two weeks, like a damn alarm, we are investigating. A source releases. An investigation has been opened into Joe Burrow's injury and why he was not listed on the injury report and then seen with some sort of hand cast thing. How's his hand? Fine. Great. Oh, Christ, he's hurt. He's out of the game. Done. Mark my words. Not only is the NFL investigating this, it's an easy thing to investigate. The problem is the coaches. Just like in baseball, it's the managers. For whatever reason, these people who run the teams on the field believe that they've got the nuclear codes. They believe they've got the secret to the new Coke ingredient. Guilty as charged. I used to have to deal with our stadium operations people in order to make sure that the cleaning staff and others had no access to our draft room because God knows the janitorial staff may want to know who we're looking at in the 18th round. Can't possibly have that. The secrecy 
David, we can't announce the starting pitcher yet. I don't want to say that the closer is not available. The closer is not available, but I can't say that. I want them to prepare for the closer and not prepare for the other guy. I want them to prepare for this guy starting, not that guy, because then that could really screw things up. Guess what? In this era of openers, closers, lack of starting pitching, with the increased technology and analysis that allows for teams to prepare for all players on the active roster, the only thing that would be a problem in baseball is if the other team played a bunch of players who were not on the roster. And even that wouldn't be a huge deal because you just have to go to a different file in your scouting reports. Oh, used to be on the A's and now we're playing the Dodgers. Ah, all right, I'll plug in this guy from the A's. Give me two minutes. In football, same type of thing. No one can see my script. We script the first bunch of plays. Can't let them know that we're not going to have Joe Burrow. I'm going to want them to be in their nickel package or their dime package or their silver package, gold package. And then they look up and the defensive coordinator says, hey, that doesn't look like Burrow. Uh Uh-oh, what do we do now? Does anyone know how to defend a play? Get out there. When you see the ball, tackle the guy. Do we really think it's that big a thing? That big a competitive advantage to lie about Joe Burrow being hurt? Lie about a player who's starting, who's not starting, who's available, who's not? Gamesmanship. I like it. We all partake in gamesmanship, don't we? But the difference is it's usually our heart on the line. It's rarely our pocketbook. The NFL is going to have to conclude this investigation. They're going to have to find the Bengals because they cannot let it be known that it is okay. I don't think they care much that Portnoy sent the text he sent or the tweet he sent asking for a refund. I don't think if you're DraftKings or FanDuel that you refund any bet at all involving the Bengals. And the reason I wouldn't refund a bet is there are enough provisos and provisions and enough circumstances where players get hurt during the ordinary course of time that I'm not in the investigation business and I'm not in the business of trying to decide when teams are telling me the truth and when they're not. Everyone has access to information. Use the information as you want to. Make a bet. But once you make the bet, you've made the bet. It's like making a bet. Once you made it, you got to line it. Okay. Let's go to a commercial coca and then we're going to come back review a movie and i'm going to tell you something that happened this weekend that is going to surprise you where i was and who i spoke to i wanted to give an update to marlins and yankees fans we'll be right back the nba playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the nba with same game parlays live betting odds boosts and so much more don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. Through the first round of the NBA playoffs, it's still all about the Celtics and the Nuggets. Will it be a likely matchup between the two powerhouses for the NBA championship? You can bet on the Celtics to beat the Nuggets at plus 400 or the Nuggets to beat the Celtics at plus 425 right now. And if you're new to DraftKings, you gotta check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SAMSON. New customers can bet five bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bets 
only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SAMSON. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. It is David Sampson here with Matt Coca. A solid 58. Feeling very calm and happy this morning. Had an interesting weekend that I'm looking forward to talking about, but I wanted to get to a movie that I watched that just came out on Max. First of all, this week is Thanksgiving week. I'm going to say this now and say it at the end of the show. We will have shows tomorrow and Wednesday. No show Thursday, but there will be a mailbag on Friday. There will be sales on Nothing Personal with David Sampson. That is not the name of the website. Thank you, Coco. Excuse me. Nothing Personal with David Sampson is the YouTube channel, which you can get to on davidsampsonpodcast.com. Look for merch, Christmas gifts, Hanukkah gifts, Black Friday deals. I think you have to like opt in, give me your email, give me all your information so I can sell it to other people. I'm just kidding. That's not what I do. Won't do it. Never do it. Can't do it. That was a joke, Matt. They're not going to be angry. DavidSampsonPodcast.com. I think there's a football game on Black Friday, Coca. Am I right? Amazon is doing a Black Friday game. Do you think that Amazon is doing that? So everybody can sign up for Prime, sell a bunch of things. Is it the Jets playing on Black Friday? It was supposed to be Aaron Rodgers. Is that really what's happening? Oh my God, that's so funny. I'd like to see who they're playing. And the good news is I can look right now at week 12. It is the Dolphins Jets. Miami favored by seven and a half. God, that would have been an amazing Black Friday game. Rodgers against Tua in New York at the Meadowlands. Yippee. Anyway, go to Max. Not just because it's a good place to go for content, but because there's a new movie out, and it's called David Holmes, The Boy Who Lived. How many of you remember Harry Potter? How many of you remember that Harry Potter stuntman while filming had an accident and became paralyzed. I had a small recollection. It was one of those things that you read, but because you're not involved in it, if you're involved in it, you keep the clippings. It's a part of your life every single day because your life from that day forward has completely changed. If you don't know the stuntman and you just know Harry Potter is a fan of Harry Potter, then you see the news, you say, God, that sucks. I feel terribly. And then you keep watching the rest of the movie. I think you all know exactly what I mean. But then a documentary comes out about the story of the person who you never thought about again. And you realize, holy cow. The backstory is David Holmes was not just Daniel Radcliffe's stuntman. They were best friends. They were kids on a set. The stuntman was a gymnast, amazing kid who was, could fall, could do this and that on his way to becoming a career stuntman. 
something went wrong in filming and now he's in a wheelchair. What you don't hear about is the relationship between Daniel Radcliffe and David Holmes as best pals, as kids, they are still close as adults. Their lives were both impacted by this accident in a way that I never once thought of. Didn't give it 10 seconds of brain time. That makes me feel badly. There's a limit to the things I can think about. I agree. There's a limit to the hours in a day. I agree even when you don't sleep. But how many times do we read articles about tragedy and when it doesn't hit home, it's past the spinach. Hey, did you see what happened? Yeah, there was a double car accident on Pembroke. Hey, can I have the spinach, please? Unless it's your phone that rings and it was your kid or your parent or your brother or your best friend. Is that normal? Of course it is. But then when you're brought back to having a line to the story or it becomes personal for you, then all of a sudden you realize. If you watch the David Holmes story, which I'd like you to do, The Boy Who Lived, you will realize that perseverance comes in many shapes and sizes, that no matter what deal you're handed, you are going to figure out a way. Will you be the strong person? David Holmes is the strong person. Nothing personal pick of the day. We had an undefeated weekend. How good does that feel? I think last weekend we had a winless weekend. It just shows you how it happens. This weekend undefeated. I want to go back to Friday night when we had the Knicks two and a half over the Wizards. And people were saying in my DMs, hey, you really aren't loving on pool, are you? No. My favorite pool is Deadpool or swimming pool or whirlpool or even cesspool, but Jordan pool? No, thank you. Now, of course, rumors are out that the Wizards are gonna do everything they can to get rid of him. What, they're just figuring out that he's completely entitled and overpaid and that the team stinks and will never go anywhere with him? Well, we got ourselves a Friday win. It was a cakewalk, Knicks two and a half over the Wizards. Then Saturday, I've set some people in Miami, which I'll try to make up for. I had Louisville plus one versus the Hurricanes. They won by TD. That makes us a winner. And then let's get to Sunday where you try as you may to sweep the weekend. And if you remember what I said on Friday's show, I said the Bills are minus seven over the Jets and it should be Bills are minus 17. I apologize. It should have been Bills minus 25. And at Bills minus 25, I'm still taking the Bills. At Bills minus 17, I would have taken the Bills. At Bills minus seven, it's a dream come true. The Buffalo Bills crushed the New Jersey Jets, absolutely destroyed them. Aaron Rodgers, oh, I'm going to come back and practice December 2nd. We're right in there. Oh, thank God we're not in there. And now I don't have to come back. Oh, I love science. The coach of the Jets is now watching his shoulder wondering whether he's about to get whacked, finally having to admit that Zach Wilson is not a major league quarterback. I get when coaches back their players. I, I want that. 
actually. But there's a way that we tell them to back the players. It's not the way the Chargers coach did back in his defense, back in when him calling the defense and the Chargers lost this weekend. Hey, I'm sticking with this unit. We lost as a team. It was not any individual unit. And on top of that, we're going to do it again next week. I always would say to managers, hey, if we did something today that we love and we know we're going to do it again, but we didn't win the game, do me a favor and don't say the words, yeah, we're going to do that again. This guy lost today, but we're going to give him the ball in five days. What I like saying instead is, we will make the necessary adjustments to make sure that the next outcome is different than this outcome. We don't appreciate losing. So of course there are gonna be changes. I don't want the coach to always say, it's my responsibility, it's my responsibility. I love you, Zach. I love you, Zach. I love you, Robert. They got a real problem in New, in New York. I called them the New Jersey Jets, I'm not sure why. Anyway, so if you were watching the Bills over the Jets, you watched us have a three game winning streak. And we're getting cocky, so we're going two games tonight. Tonight is a good national game. You've got the Chiefs and you've got the Eagles. Chiefs two and a half over the Eagles. You're going to say the Chiefs don't cover at home. You're going to say the Eagles are the better team. You're going to say it could be a Super Bowl preview. I'm going to say no, no, no. But what I am going to say is that the Chiefs two and a half over the Eagles is my pick. And then we're going to do a basketball pick because I wanted to give props to James Harden. Yes, I've come down on James Harden for telling you that no team with James Harden is going to be successful, like Russell Westbrook, and now they're on the same team, so it's easy. They finally did win a game, those Clippers. Way to go. James Harden hit a three at the end and they won, and way to go. Now they're thinking he's, he's integrated and everything's fine. Westbrook is off the bench. Now Ty Lue's got it figured out. All right. Let's find out tonight. Clippers minus nine over the Spurs to win their second game in a row. And this is more an anti-Spurs play than a pro Clippers play. The Spurs with Wemby, he's fun to watch. It's going to get less fun and less fun as they lose 50 games. Himself cannot be the difference. Frankly, he may not even win rookie of the year. It could be Mike Holmgren. Yes, I know it's not Mike. Those are my picks. Clippers over Spurs, Chiefs over Eagles. So this weekend, I uh, went somewhere. I went to Florida. And I wanted to talk about it for a minute or two before the show ends. I went to the wedding of Mike Hill, the former president of baseball operations for the Marlins. He was hired by Larry Beinfest to be the assistant general manager and then the general manager back in 2002 after the 02 season. So I've been close and known Mike Hill for a long time. Got a call from an old friend. We used to be real close. And he said, hey, uh, Bruce Sherman is going to be at the wedding. All good? And I said, of course. What would be, there's nothing between me and Bruce Sherman. So I'm getting dressed for the wedding, anticipating seeing Bruce. Hadn't seen him since the deal in 2017 where he bought the Marlins with Derek Jeter. In comes Bruce Sherman with his lovely wife. And there was enough people there who knew me and knew Bruce and were wondering collectively how that was going to be. 
enough so that Bruce was called in advance to be told that I was going to be there the way I was called in advance to say that Bruce was going to be there. I went up to him before the wedding even started, and we spoke for about three or four minutes, and it could not have been A, more cordial, or B, more illuminating. When I have been critical of Derek Jeter, you may think by association that has been me being critical of Bruce Sherman. Except what I told you is that Derek Jeter was doing everything without Bruce Sherman's knowledge, practically. Almost breaching any sense of fiduciary duty. Those are big words to use to describe Derek Jeter, who's a small man, so I shouldn't use big words. There's an organization there, and I understand exactly what Bruce Sherman was doing when he took over the team. It's what any new owner does. We're going to be different than the old. In with the new, out with the old. They did it wrong. We're going to do it right. We're going to do it better. It's hard. It's hard to overcome the realities of a market. It's hard to overcome the reality of a CEO who's rogue and inadequate and not qualified. Bruce and I spoke about Peter Bendix, spoke about his staff. I would like to say that the Marlins fans are lucky to have Bruce Sherman as their owner. He, not only does he want to win, but he wants to find a way to make it sustainable. Now, that does not mean you win every year. It means that you've got longer windows of winning and shorter windows of rebuilding, and you hope to take advantage and spend money when you ha or have an open window. But what you really want is an owner to know when the window's open and when it's closed. Because the problem that I had is I always pretended the window was open, even when it wasn't open, which caused bad signs, which caused mediocrity. Bruce Sherman is an owner who recognizes closed windows and open windows and will act accordingly. And that's a positive for Marlins fans. The wedding was outstanding. The conversation was outstanding. Seeing old people I worked with and old friends was emotional and out and just lovely. Seeing someone as happy as Mike Hill, all of it. So congratulations to Mike, congratulations to Priscilla, congratulations to Marlins fans and Bruce. I know you're listening and I thank you for that. Good luck and congratulations to you. It's not what you thought, is it? Sometimes on nothing personal, we can surprise you. Mostly it's just business. This is nothing personal. See ya. <laughs>